You're listening to Weld Found, a podcast about belonging in an age of social isolation and disconnection. I'm your host, Tim Coons. This show is made possible by the Weld Community Foundation, who encourages us to spread the good. For more information, go to weldcommunityfoundation.org. Also there, you can donate to aid Weld County's nonprofits who are serving those affected during the pandemic. It's called the Weld Recovers Fund. It's a joint effort between the United Way of Weld County and the foundation. You can donate to it at our website and at unitedway-weld.org slash COVID-19. And just to keep you all up to date, the Weld Recovers Fund has raised more than $350,000 to help Weld nonprofits. And in a quick turnaround, a total of $254,000 has already been distributed so far to 23 nonprofits in need. Friends, that's something to celebrate. Thank you for your generosity. We produced a three-part mini-series called We Are Here during Weld County's lockdown that corresponded with the states. You can listen on those stories, but we're now officially heading back into season two of Weld Found, starting with this episode titled Listening. Let's start today's show. What does it take to be a great listener? To really hear someone, the fullness of their story, the hopes and dreams, the hurt and the anger, even if it challenges us personally. And how can we be good listeners during this time when the nation is in a moment of addressing systemic racism? On today's show, we are attempting to listen well. I offer two interviews from our neighbors, people who have lived here a long time. We'll listen to Kaylee Aguilera and Travis Kernigie, both people of color sharing their experiences with us. Before we begin, I wanna offer three quick thoughts on listening. These are things I've been learning and have helped me personally, so I wanna share them with you here. The heart of this show reflects the very mission of the Weld Community Foundation to strengthen the bonds that make our communities thrive. Being a good listener is going to build community. That's where this show will always aggressively be heading, to be better weavers of community. So here's three quick thoughts on listening. The first is my favorite quote. I talked about this in the Weldfound episode titled The Welcome Wagon when we toured the Immigrant Refugee Center. The quote is, always be kind for everyone you meet is going through a great battle. A few years ago, I was in line at the grocery store and the checkout clerk was very slow. He was a young man. And as I started getting more frustrated in line, I kept thinking rude things like, oh, how inept and come on kid, get with it. And it was finally my turn. And I said, well, how are you doing today? And he stopped and he looked up at me and he said, I'm doing terrible. My wisdom teeth are coming in and they ache so bad. It's making me sick and I have a fever. Uh, but I need this shift. Now, the same thing had happened to me when my wisdom teeth came in. I got really sick, but I was able to lie down on the couch for a few days. This young man had to keep working. Hearing this completely changed my posture towards him. Always be kind for everyone you meet is going through a great battle. Empathizing and attempting to care can better open us up to really listen. The second anecdote is this. When it comes to difficult conversations, we have to watch over our emotions, especially when they're running high. I think we've all experienced this in a conversation or debate, or even just reading something online where our faces get hot and our heartbeat quickens a little. When things get heated and we feel confronted, our prefrontal cortex shuts down so the amygdala can go to work. Learning this blew my mind. Here's what this means. The prefrontal cortex is a part of the human brain where rational thought is processed. It's where you can best weigh things out. 
it's a good place to listen from. But in a heated argument, the brain senses danger and it goes into fight or flight or freeze mode. So the prefrontal cortex shuts down for the sake of all energy diverting to the amygdala. So we stop critical listening and we start getting defensive or we get louder or we go on the attack and lash out or we take sides or maybe we lock up and shut down and retreat. We just want to ignore what's being discussed. How many of us have experienced this in the past few weeks? I felt it happening to myself and I've seen it especially from my own white culture's reaction to protests. And it doesn't help with deeper listening. I want to say this too. Social media and news outlets know what people click on the most. And it's not thoughtful, rational dialogue. They present content continuously that they know will fire up our amygdala and get us into spaces of moral outrage. That's good attention-getting TV, radio, news. How many of us have seen this from both right-wing and left-wing outlets? I find it exhausting. I'm ready to turn off all the inflammatory content because I think it's detrimental to real conversation. My last thought about listening, and I think this is the hardest one for me to say because I'm still figuring it out. Have you noticed how dualistic everything is right now? How either or, in or out, all of the language has become. You're either all in on a given issue or you are wrong and a villain. I'm gonna say a few phrases, and I believe many of my listeners are going to have an amygdala reaction. Because for a moment, I want to not just take one side. And you're maybe going to be angry at me because I'm, I'm not taking your side. Some of you are, and I get it. We want to choose our side and, and say that we are right and other people are wrong. This is a natural human thing to do. It's kept us safe for thousands of years as we choose tribes and avoid what is threatening us. But please, just for a moment, hear me out. Friends, can black lives matter? And can blue lives matter? Can someone vote Republican and be a thoughtful, kind American? Can someone vote Democrat and be a thoughtful, kind American? Can someone from the city have a voice? Can someone from a rural area have one too? The ways we divide each other go on. Education levels, religion, white collar and blue collar, sexuality and gender, boomer and Gen Z. And we are busy making villains of those who disagree with us or even on the fence. I wanna say that anger is warranted in a lot of the present day issues. There are a lot of things to be mad about. I fully acknowledge that. And I also wanna say that it's harder now than ever to believe that we can be united even when we are truly in this together. And it needs acknowledged that a lot of our country's leadership is dedicated towards division. And this makes things so much harder. But friends, we're all more connected than we realize. It's possible that there are far fewer villains than some would lead us to believe. Is it possible for us to come together in 2020 through a pandemic, having a crisis of conscience when it comes to race? 
E Pluribus Unum is our country's lifeblood. It's Latin for, though many, we are one. And we celebrate a diversity in America that no other country in the world can match. Personally, I'm dedicating myself to this as an American, to be a community weaver. It starts with listening. Empathetic, centered and calm, non-dualistic listening. Welcome, my friends, to WeldFound. I met with Kaylee Aguilera, a student at UNC and a lifetime Greeley resident, socially distanced at Aunt Helen's Coffee. Last week, she was leaving for work, and she had a really difficult thing happen to her. Together, we returned back to the corner where it happened in downtown Greeley to let her tell her story. Here's Kaylee. So you grew up in Greeley? I did, yep. My parents are from Greeley. I'm born and raised here. I'm working over at Mariposa Plants and Flowers, actually. Good place to work? It is. I love it there. You cannot, cannot complain when you're surrounded by flowers and plants all day. Going to UNC right now, and I'm actually heading into my final semester of my undergrad. I mean, right after graduation, my hope is to actually go into dispatch for a while. Um, so I'm hoping to work for Weld County, but we'll see how that pans out. Um, but really, my ultimate goal is to go into forensic psychology um, and kind of work more with victims. What I'm hoping to do, I actually took a class with Erin Coloroso, and she's done a lot of different things with her degree. She um, She's worked kind of more with people on the streets, so people who are being trafficked, that kind of thing. Um, but right now, she does more of victim interviews so she takes first statements walks them through the process that kind of stuff and that's more of what I'm hoping to do with that we left the coffee shop and started walking really to a street corner near Kaylee's work you're not before arriving we talked about in, the moment whatever. happening in our country and, right and, now and, that, and how where you really get your information is shaping yeah. our opinions so much these days as somebody who's studying psychology I can just absolutely say that Confirmation bias is one of the most dangerous things that's taking place right now. People are continuing to just seek out sources that only align with what they feel or what they believe instead of trying to get a look at the bigger picture, try to understand where other people are coming from. Um, and I think that that's a huge contributor to the divisiveness of everything that's taking place right now, really. So it was right here? It was actually across the street. So I do have a little bit of a walk into work. Um, so I was just on my way out and happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time, waiting for the light to change so I could cross the street. And a man pulled up in his truck. And at first, like I said, I didn't really pay any attention because sometimes there are just people around screaming. <laughs> Whatever, um, but it continued, so I kind of just looked at him and listened to what he was saying and definitely took me by surprise. I was not expecting that at all. So he was in a, an older white truck. I'm guessing it was either like a Chevy Silverado or a GMC Sierra. And he just started yelling, you know. I was actually, it's funny, so he's actually heading east here on 7th Street and I was waiting to cross the same direction. He didn't have a blinker on, so I assumed he was also going straight. Um, but he started telling me to get out of his way as I was standing on the sidewalk here. Um, and I was a little confused about that because I was in no way stopping him from going wherever he needed to go. Um, and it kind of just escalated from there. 
called there. Um, he started to tell me to get out of his way. And then once I heard the word Mexican, I looked around, happened, this is usually a really busy intersection, but at that point, we were the only two people anywhere around. And maybe that's what empowered him to make the decision that he made. Um, but he said, um, get out of my way, get out of my way, you Mexican. I'll leave the expletives out for this. Um, go back to Mexico, go back to wherever you're from, get out of my country, he said. Um, but I am from his country. I am from America, the United States. Um, so I don't know, it definitely, I didn't feel anything at first. I think I was in shock a little bit probably. Um, but I got to my car, got in my car and you know, my coworkers and I have been having these difficult conversations. I'm one of the only people of color in our shop. Um, and we've been talking about everything that's going on. And so I just called my coworker, who I consider a friend, um, to tell her, like, you know, I just want you to understand that racism is very much alive and well right here in Greeley. This just happened. And as I started to tell her, I broke down. And I didn't expect it, but I just, I started crying. I, sh I was shaking. It was a lot and I had not even processed what had happened. So I think that is what took me by surprise the most was that it did affect me and I didn't think that it did. I feel like at the base level, this is exactly the kinds of conversations that need to be happening right now. Oh, absolutely. It, I mean, it's just this like simple, like, like, I, I am of a different race, culture, whatever you want to, however you want to put it, or, but I'm from the United States. Yes. <laughs> I've lived here my entire life, and I deal with this, and you don't. Right. I, I've, walked, I've walked through here uh, for 20 years. I've never had anybody screaming at me for being a white guy. Right. Yeah, and, um, you know, I think it was really special. I was able to actually talk to... Um, a really close person to be a really close friend and um, she's so wise and just knows exactly what to say when this kind of stuff happens and she told me she she was like you know this happened and it was it was a traumatic experience for you but now when you are having these as you continue to have these difficult conversations with people it's no longer hearsay you have a story you have a concrete example of this taking place so nobody can continue to question or deny that this is happening because you have a story to tell and i think that was really empowering for me especially having just gone through that I don't feel heard and as a woman sometimes I don't feel heard so I think it's so important to use your voice to also stand up for people when they aren't being heard but to be anti-racist and to teach that to other people and um, especially you you have children um, I think it's so important for families to be having these some sort of discussion with their children just to teach them a little bit that's the way I try to look at things I try to remain hopeful that even though things are a little dark right now a little bit heavy that something good will come of this eventually and hope is the one thing that's going to keep us moving forward big thank you to kaylee for sharing her story with us on today's show the next conversation is with travis kernegie travis was the point person for one of the black lives matter protests held in greeley a couple weeks ago he talked to me about the march and vigil and offered up a bit of his perspective 
as a person of color, coming from North Carolina and now living in Weld County the last several years. My name is Travis Carnegie. I started my doctorate at UNC. I spent about three to four years there. Did everything except for the dissertation. I I, I never completed it, but I'm I'm thinking about maybe going back. We'll see. I was shocked because I was not planning on staying in Greeley. I came here, I moved here, and I was like, uh, you know. Um, I absolutely fell in love with Greeley, and I'm not for sure why. <laughs> I have loved it here because for the most part, it was different from North Carolina. And the difference is that uh, for the most part, people accepted me for who I was and view me uh, through my character. Um, opposed to North Carolina. That has been the majority, but not always, you know. I've had a very pleasant experience here, you know, and uh, I believe that's one of the reasons why I love Colorado. The issues uh, is that the racism that I have seen has not been toward African Americans, but um, the, uh, the Mexican community and uh, that has disheartened me. Uh, that's why the, the, the march, we had a march on this past Saturday, which was called uh, Greeley um, Unite in the Fight, Peaceful March and Vigil. The whole idea was to bring all of these, these allies together, uh, the, the Mexican community, the black community, um, and, and the white community. And the thing that I love about about that situation is that every one of those communities had a different perspective, but the message was clear. Black Lives Matter. Many have been very upset with the current events um, of the killings of these unarmed black men. We have been very super angry. And, you know, people are now just seeing the light. And I, I kind of would like to express the idea that I've been angry for a long time, you know. I've been upset for a long time, and the issue why I've been upset is that we've, we've seen this time and time again, and the voices of, of especially um, black men and women have just been silenced, or there has just been no justice. I do come from a different perspective. I'm a black man. I'm a music educator. I work at uh, in Fort Lupton. I've been there for the last past five years as a music educator. I'm also a church director, a music director at Trinity Episcopal Church. And so I, I bring all those experiences with me whenever I encounter uh, situations like this. So the thought is, what do you do with this, all this anger? So I believe you have a choice at that point. You, you can face anger, anger uh, with violence and hatred, or you can face anger with how, how do I be productive? Not only productive, but how do I make a, a difference in this situation? And uh, I, I believe for me, because everybody has their idea of how they handle this. And my experiences as a black man, I do not choose to, to meet violence with violence. And I think um, a, a lot of that has to do with the, 
with the with my upbringing and and my beliefs as a Christian, you know, the idea eye for an eye uh, just pretty much leaves everybody blind. However, if you go in in, in a sense of hope and compassion and forgiveness and grace, um, then there's a starting point. In my idea, this does not uh, show weakness. I, uh, actually, I think it shows a great deal of strength. And I, I've mentioned this before. I mean, if if America, uh, and this is a very hard statement, if we were to re- repay evil with evil, um, you know, the country would be burned down. <laughs> the The country would be decimated. I just don't want to see that, you know. Um, what I do want to see, as far as I'm concerned, the reason for the march um, is, you know, I want to see unity. It's not us versus them. It's not, it's not white versus black. It's all of us against racism. We want policy changes. We want justice. And when I say justice, uh, hear me correctly, because I'm a Christian, that does not mean revenge. We want fair and due process. And I've had many conversations, so many people contacted me. What should I do? Uh, I believe what ha- needs to happen for the country and for everyone is that we need to change the culture. We need to change the hearts of men. And I think that means, yes, uh, we see racism, we correct it. Um, we see those who are struggling if, if you know, and especially my, my Caucasian friends, they're like, am I racist? What, uh, what can I do to do better? And I say, do you treat your fellow man as you do yourself? You have to figure that out for yourself. You have to struggle with that. And I've seen, I've seen people's hearts changed. If, if you treat them with love and respect, uh, with, with forgiveness, then hearts can be changed. Those are the things that need to change. And as I become educated myself, learning about the policies of my, the particular area I live in and of Colorado, we just need to take a really, really hard look. Now, with dealing with the police, with getting permits for our march, um, they were very kind, very willing um, to help us with this. I was very appreciative of that. And I'm hoping that that started a dialogue uh, with them so we can have a start. Systemic racism, it didn't happen overnight. You know, um, and one can say that this has been going on for 400 years. Um, it's not going to change overnight. However, we got to fight really hard to to make those changes, and that's going to start with changing the the hearts and minds of everyone. Uh, you know, I have many friends that go, well. Um, I don't believe that. And uh, they were like, well, how can I help? I was like, well, you probably have that uncle or that crazy cousin who says the occasional racist thing. 
what do you do in that situation? Do, do you stand up? Anytime that you see an injustice, do you stand up or do you stay silent? Because it doesn't affect you. Those are the times that we need um, those voices of those who cared to speak up and say something. And it, it is super duper important that that happens. And I don't think that's happened a lot because people are confusing um, violence with confrontation. You can confront someone without being violent, and, and that needs to happen. Those are, those are my thoughts. And being a child from, I was in foster homes as a kid, and I was predominantly with black families, but I did uh, at the end go to a white family. I love them the same as my biological family. What I've learned living in both cultures is that people's minds and hearts can be changed. Well, if once you put it all together, it is so disheartening. And um, that's why I love the perspectives of all the speakers that we had at the uh, Greeley uh, Unite and the fight, uh, because we had the very angry. We had the very angry, and, and I couldn't take that voice away for them, nor would I want to. I absolutely love the march. Um, I was uh, I received a call about two weeks prior to the march saying, hey, would you help organize this? And I said, sure. I did not know what I was getting myself into. Um, but then we quickly devised a Facebook um, group. And out of that Facebook organizational group, there was about nine of us that got together, really planned and organized all of this. So June 13th, um, Saturday came. Uh, we were not for sure about what the numbers were going to be. Um, I think we had around about 300 that had committed to coming. Um, I believe the Greeley Tribune said there were a thousand, a little over a thousand, um, which was very exciting. A lot of people, a lot of people. Uh, it was exciting walking down from the University Center to uh, down 11th Avenue to um, um, Lincoln Park. And uh, it was really exciting because as we went, there were a lot of supporters, uh, just a very positive experience. Uh, so there was a lot of uh, uh, solidarity there. The more and more that we, we fix the cultures by communicating with each other, living with each other, sharing bread with each other. Uh, it, it, that is the important part. Just seeing the different races, different people saying, hey, we hear you and Black Lives Matter warmed my heart. Thank you to Kaylee Aguilera and Travis Kernigy for taking the time to talk with us today on this episode. And a special thanks to Dave Farrell, a professor at Ames Community College, for his incredible sound engineering help on this episode. As always, thank you to the Weld Community Foundation to donate to the Weld Recovers Fund and to help nonprofits facing this difficult season. You can do so at weldcommunityfoundation.org. Finally, if you enjoyed this show, please rate us on iTunes or share the program with a friend. Thanks again for listening to Weld Found.